0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor.
1: I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 59, which begins with Thor stumbling towards the hammer and ends with Thor letting go of the hammer he can't pick up. Joining us on the show today, we have Andrew Dorowski host of the Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and Joe Durowski, host the Protagonist Podcast. And to both you gentlemen, it's Thursday. Happy Thursday. Day! Um, ah. We always, every Thursday, we ask people, what is your favorite all-time Thor moment? And it can be from comic books, it can be from these movies, it can be from a cereal box you saw him on once. Like, <laughs> what, what's just to you the quintessential
2: Thor moment? Does it have to be Thor himself? Yeah. because if it doesn't have to be Thor himself, it's going to be something with Beta Ray Bill. Um, Nice. (laughs) Because that's what I think of for like classic Thor stories is, is like Thor and Beta Ray Bill together, um, either fighting or fighting, fighting alongside each other. So it's going to be hard for me to think of something other than that. I love Beta Ray Bill. Okay, <laughs> sure. What about you, Joe? Uh,
3: I think it's probably gonna be a Walt Simonson cover with Thor, you know, with the hammer smashing down. That's uh, there's probably one with mm. it through the, the Mighty mm-hmm. Thor logo. Like, it's, it's breaking because Mjolnir has come down. Uh, it's just one of those Walt Simonson splash uh, pages. I know, I mean, Jack Kirby did a lot of dynamic art, and he's, you know, the one that introduced this version of Thor into the Marvel Universe and everything. But, but Simonson, for me, is, is really uh, w- what feels right for, for Thor.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, the connection between Thor and then Hammer is something we will definitely be discussing in just one moment.
1: We do have a merch store. If you like the show art with Matthew and I flying through the Bifrost, head over to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on merch. It'll take you right to our T-Public store, and you can see all the stuff we have with our logo.
0: For these five minutes, but also for the movie, like this is kind of the quintessential moment we've been building up to. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll hit the things that happen during this minute. But I think let's just dive into the whole the whole minute. What you all wanted to talk about this, so so here we are. What what is the significance of this minute of seeing Thor triumphantly coming to the hammer? The music is swelling. Everyone's watching him, and then he just can't pick it up.
2: Like heroes' journeys always have you know the the low point, right? The hero has to be brought mm-hmm. down to a low point so they can build back up and they can they can have the the discovery, the all of that stuff. And so often that low point is someone dying, right? It's Uncle Ben dying, right. it's the mentor dying. And that's the point where the hero has to say, Oh, I have to step up, I have to change something, I have to fulfill this role because Obi Wan Kenobi's gone. And you have those, you know, sad Luke Skywalker funeral moments. And like, I kind of love that this one's not a funeral. Yeah. It's kind of a relief um, because so, so, so often it's the funeral. And so that's kind of a, a great moment for me where his ultimate failure is not that someone else died. It's not that his mentor is gone. It's not that he's alone. It's that, no, you really aren't what you thought you were, right? You can't be what you thought you were. You have to re-examine yourself for yourself. And it's not because someone, someone isn't there for you. It's not because, you know, someone's gone like, no, you just got to like look yourself straight in the eyes and figure out what's going on.
3: Right. Uh, Um, I love how this is a really good example of the big, absurd aspects of, uh, superhero storytelling, revealing, something really internal right like the idea that there's this magical hammer that you can only pick up if you're worthy like that's 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 really kind of absurd (laughs) uh but through a a nice blend of brana's directing hemsworth's performance the score uh you know like everything comes together to make us feel something for Thor and his sense of failure and, and his sense of disbelief and his uh, you know, this reckoning that he now actually has, has to come about that is through this kind of like absurd dynamic of uh, you know, that's been invented for superhero comic books.
0: Yeah. I I think it's so true. I mean, one thing we've talked about a lot on this podcast before is that, you know, most people have never had a moment where they're, no longer going to get to be king but they probably had a moment where they disappointed their parents you mm-hmm. know or like where they've fought with their sibling because someone was jealous of the other like there's so much about it that is taking these great stories and making it still relatable and i think for me i think one of the reasons why this is so interesting and you're right uh andrew is so different than the normal version of that like the abyss of uh, from the joe campbell idea is that on some level Thor hit his low point ten minutes into the movie. It's just that because you know, ten minutes into the movie, Odin declared, "Thor, you cannot be king. You are not worthy. And I'm stripping you of your power. I'm stripping you of Mjolnir." And and to some extent, like all that really happened. Like this isn't the sort of thing where like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens to our character, our hero. This is more like he's kind of the wily e. Coyote who's been running out for 10 feet and only now finally looks down and realizes, like, actually, this isn't going to work, you know? And I, it, to me, there's something really brilliant about that in that we, the audience, have known that he's been kicked out, but we've been watching for the last 45 minutes him, like, either just not knowing or trying to live in denial. And I, I just, I think it's such a great way to structure this of... Especially because, you know, to take those kind of ideas, his tragic flaw is his arrogance and is his inability to, to sort of hear things, you know? And so it's just that, like, Odin gave him that devastating speech, and he didn't hear a word of it until this moment.
1: Well, what I love about it is, like... You know, we're really getting this thing with this Thor in this place where, I mean, I don't think he gets it, you know, and, and that's what I think is so yeah. interesting is like, I mean, he looks up into the sky and is screaming because, I mean, you know, the last communication he really had with his dad was when, when he said, you know, you are unworthy of, of your title of, of, you know, all of these different things as he kind of stripped him of his rank and he banished him and that was it. And, uh, you know, and so he's down here and I mean, he's, he's like hollering at the heavens uh, and uh, you know, he's not really hollering yet, but he's just like, he's, he's, scre- he's screaming as he, like that, that intense moan as he's trying to pull this thing out. And it's, I, I think that he, it kind of breaks his brain a little bit. Like, you know, he just really doesn't know, what's happening right now and i i don't think in the next minute we'll certainly talk more about it um in the next few minutes and and really start exploring like at what point does he start realizing, like, what's going on? Because, I, I, I mean, the moment that he heard that something else had landed out in the desert and it was, you know, something really heavy we couldn't pick up, like, he was so cocky and arrogant, like, oh, I know exactly what that is. I'm just going to head over there. And dad threw it over there and he he dropped it here for me. Like, he never has had a thought. This whole time, from the moment he was banished, it all was about this thing where, it's just a little punishment. It's a slap on the wrist. I just got to, you know, follow the, follow the breadcrumbs that dad left me to get to Mjolnir, and then I can go home. And, and he's at that moment now. And he's finally, all of a sudden, for the very first time, something isn't right.
3: I like how you said it broke his brain, because you really do get a sense that something has gone so far beyond Thor's conception of what his reality is or his his sense of identity is that he he can't function anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: Again, this is something that is like fantastical and superhero but also incredibly relatable. I think we've all seen the moment on TV or in film and probably many of us have also had it in our own life where like there's something that there's a piece of news that our the character ourselves is presented with and we're like no we're not quite ready to believe it and so we hold, we create one sort of like you know i'm sure they're just stuck in traffic i'm sure they like their cell phone died that's why they didn't call like whatever it is and 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 you get to watch the character like holding on to that because it's their only last hope and then when that moment comes where that is taken away where it's like you know like you said like he's hoping like yeah oh it didn't really mean it i'll have the hammer back and it all he's thought about is getting the hammer because he doesn't have to think about the things Odin said to him. Mm-hmm. But this is that moment where it's like, no, actually, he meant it. And
2: I am I'm screwed. Yeah, and it's, it's it's like it slams into him so immediately, like at no point has he had any fear. Right. He hasn't even thought about any kind of significance to consequences or anything like that. And then all of a sudden he slams completely past the point where like the thing he should have been worried about has happened. He's like, I wasn't even worried about this. What, what, like, what is this? This is, and he just has nothing, right? Because he hasn't been thinking about it. He hasn't been considering it. And so it, it really is like one of those catastrophic things where he had no concept of this negative possibility. And then it's immediately the reality. Right, it goes from impossible to reality, and he has just no understanding for what that's supposed to mean. And 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 of course, that gets cleared up, and it gets narrated, um, you know, falsely by Loki later on um, into something, and he has to learn to accept it that way. And and that's part of like his whole journey. But in this moment, he's like, no, I I have nothing. Like there is no reality to me right now because yeah, I had not conceived of this. Yeah,
3: I, I do think it's worth noting in, in all our dis- discussion of this one minute of film that I think Chris Hemsworth worked out in preparation for
0: this.
2: Scene. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's,
0: like, <laughs> it's like, fantastic. I, I'm watching that scene and I was thinking, like, the director realized they're a part of the audience who's really going to want to see his struggle. And there's a part of the audience who's going to want to watch his rain drenched body muscles like <laughs> popping in his arms. Let's give them both what they want. You know, it's kind of the setup for the holding the helicopter moment where half of us are like, "Oh, that's so it, it you know, he's trying so hard" and half of us or myself included like, "Oh god, look at his arm muscles." You know, like the director knew what they were doing. The camera shot knew what they were doing there. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm and the music's really great. Like the, the direction's really great. As you guys said, you know, Chris Hemsworth is really great. Also, like he really looks like the strongest man in the world (laughs) in this. Yeah. You know, like the, the way he's lifting it and everything. And then, you know, we cut from, from Dutch angle to Dutch angle, to Dutch angle, um, throughout it. Um, which is again, kind of saying like, okay, like he is not in line with reality right he's, he's yeah. not square with what's going on
0: well and i have to ask a question because this gets into the music um often like with a big reveal in a movie i feel like it's been so telegraphed it's been so troped, it loses effect i have to say with both the kind of triumphant music we were hearing with uh hawkeye saying like boss i'm i'm rooting for this guy now i honestly believed he was going to be able to lift the hammer and then we we're going to have like the whole second half of the movie was about him trying to, like, fight his way back. Uh, and, and I am I alone in that? Or did anyone else have that kind of, like, that you—there's a part of you that thought maybe he's actually going to be able to do this until, of course, he couldn't.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I—gosh, I, I, I wish I remembered my brain from 2011 and <laughs> when I first saw this. Like, what was I thinking? Was I thinking that he would be able to pull it up and everything would be at least good on Midgard and then that would take us into the other half of the film? Um you know, I suppose that I could have seen that happening, but I, I, as soon as he doesn't, it just makes so much sense because it, it mm-hmm. fits what totally. what they need to do with the story. is like, oh, of course he can't do it. And I suppose it's all in the whisper that Odin, you know, the whispery spell that Odin cast on, on Mjolnir before he threw it uh, through the Bifrost. Um, you know, that whole idea of being worthy and that it's great that you found it, but you still need to prove it. You know, and I, I think that's that's the whole key that we get here.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I can't quite remember, but um, while like I can kind of imagine, uh, like you say, like a, a version where he's now got the power of Thor, and it's it's about him, you know, getting his way back to Asgard is is what the the final act is, or or I mean, not final act, but the the rest of the movie is, um, it it really does feel right you know that if if he's going to prove himself worthy is is the key thing like even with a little more time it maybe feels a little abbreviated that you know it takes a weekend to prove yourself worthy of the power of a god maybe a little longer (laughs) to do that uh but but if it had already been you know had already happened it really would have been too quick
0: yeah. Oh, and I think that's kind of the, for me. That's why I remember it so well because I hadn't read Thor in the comic books. I liked Thor in the Avengers movie, which is why I wanted to watch this movie. But even then, I went into it very skeptical. I was like, "This is going to be some ridiculous comic book about a superpowered guy." And and so when I when I watched it, I was like, I kind of I was rooting for him because so I was caught up in it. But I was also like, you know what? I wish they really would tell a story about him not being worthy. But clearly, that's not the story. <laughs> oh okay that is the story we're telling mm-hmm. i'm impressed yeah. like that that's why it stuck out for me because i i just and maybe it's just my own kind of like you know biases going into it i wasn't expecting it
1: yeah that's cool that's
0: and I, I think that there's probably i, I have to imagine Brano did that intentionally because ju- like just that music moment of you know a hero moment about to achieve something and then just that bass note that comes in
1: it really is know. well done
3: the the music yeah. the, the score in this moment
1: Yeah. Patrick Doyle, like just the, I mean, the, the Thor theme already has such like power and pride and strength in it. And then, and, and and when he sees Mjolnir and it kicks in again, and we have that kind of like, oh, there's the theme and and everything's going to go great. And then it, it shifts into that minor key and that those, those deeper notes. It's like, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is why. You know, Brana uses Patrick Doyle on all of his projects because you know they work so well together, and they clearly understand how to kind of um, you know work with each other on these sorts of things. And it makes me again wish that Patrick Doyle's music uh, continued more through all the uh, the Thor films and the Avengers films because I think that his what he did here is just so incredible. It's
2: it's a great Thor theme, yeah. It's it's such a clear theme, which is it seems like it's hard to do yeah um in in modern movies you know you don't hear people coming up with as often like yeah and and this character has this theme going on
1: yeah certainly seems to be hard for the people who are scoring the the films in the mcu yes
2: (laughs) scores tend not to be the
1: the the standout (laughs) no right i know frustrating
0: one shot that for me also really stands out, we're, got, we're going to just go over like some of the things outside of Thor in a bit, but you're kind of focusing on his journey in this minute, is, you know, Andy and I earlier in, the, in our coverage of this have talked about the kind of like, well, what is Heimdall really seeing when he looks down on Midgard? What is Odin really seeing? And I feel like that scene of just the god's eye view looking straight down at thor as he like looks up to me that was very much i uh, to me i felt like that's what heimdall is seeing that's what odin is seeing and thor knows that because he's kind of looking right at them with just this like how could you do this you know screaming out is that kind of what you the sense you get there so and you know you and i've been talking about that back and forth is that you think that's what i was going for
1: uh, well, I, I certainly do. I mean, I, I, I think you're thinking of the scream in the next minute. Um, but
2: uh, oh, yeah, correct. Thank uh, you. I uh, mean, but, he he, but he still, looks up at getting, the sky in this minute.
1: He he does. Yeah, yeah he's kind of screaming up uh, up into the sky. Uh, but it's more like with the hammer as he's as he's pulling on the hammer. But certainly, like right as soon as he walks in, I mean, we are looking straight down uh, in that god's eye view of Thor as he walks in. So, I mean, certainly, I mean, that god's eye view shot is just everywhere in this film and i i have to think that Brana very deliberately chose to use it i mean one it's just always a cool angle to kind of get that shot but it does give you that viewpoint from god or something some other thing looking directly down and in the context of this story and these being quote gods i mean it makes sense and so i i really love the use of of that uh employed throughout the film i will say the uh the god's eye view shot it does make me
3: Want to ask the question? What are these random tanks that are around? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. I would I was. I was going to save it until the end. When we kind of like they, they tossed <laughs> in, like I want stuff there's that chemical looks sciencey. Tanks. Just
1: give me some sciencey stuff around. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last week because there massive were... hydrogen tanks. It's like, what is that for? Exactly. Uh, well, outside when he first breaks in, there's like it looks like toxic waste drums, and I'm like, <laughs> what are they doing here? And and, and are they trying to melt it with acid? Yeah, they're like, they, are they just putting a bunch of different stuff on it to see what happens? <laughs> I have no idea. So strange. <laughs> I, I, I've worked in a lab
2: and like those kinds of tanks, like most of the time they have like some sort of compressed gas. And the purpose is like very, very specific and and particular. Um, uh, I can't remember the names of, of like the pieces of equipment that would basically like they needed those as fuel because they were burning plasma at the temperature of the surface of the sun. Um, oh my. So that you could, you could, you know, atomize particles out of whatever we were testing. Um, it, it was a cosmetics testing lab. I, like This is a high end equipment. <laughs> so we could figure out, okay, what's in, what's in all of our shampoo um, and make sure that every, it was like quality control for, 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 you know, shampoo and toothpaste and stuff. But we had, you know, these big, um, machines with these big industrial tanks of hydrogen and um and oxygen and and all of that sort of stuff to to run them and so those are the kinds of tanks that i 'm seeing you know in this right. <laughs> why do they need like what is this tank for and it doesn 't seem to be like connected to anything it 's like why is it on the ground next to the hammer instead of in the lab space, which is where it would belong in this case yeah so i, don't, I cannot figure out what the idea would be behind having those tanks, except it's like make it look sciencey. Make it look sciencey. Yep, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I I just am still on the like the kitchen sink idea, you know, because like we, we know that some parts of SHIELD know that like they encountered the scrolls. We, we find that out much later and stuff like that. But for for the most part, like this is their first encounter with something from an alien world. And yeah, I can sort of understand this yeah bring everything you know, we'll figure it out when we, need, once we get there well so let's talk about some of the other people and how they're responding so barton has that great line you know you better call it colson because i'm starting to root for this guy what, what do you think's going on there what, what are we learning about hawkeye is it just because he's like he's he, he's curious is it because he's just like is seeing uh him win and he wants to know what's gonna happen next what why is he rooting for him
3: uh just just that uh you know can do attitude right you know he's gonna try and go <laughs> overcome every odd uh, you know we got Thor here, you know, son of a god, and uh with God powers himself, but pulling himself up by his bootstraps uh by by throwing a few <laughs> uh shield agents around
1: yeah <laughs> it's a strange line though because i mean he's 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 defeating your own team mm-hmm. but so it's like, why is he okay, is it just because he's so tough? and just keeps going, but it's like. I, I don't know. it was just a rebel? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's it's a strange moment there.
0: To me, it's kind of two things. One is it is, is showing like Barton is just, you know, already he wasn't like, oh, God, my friends, Thor's beating them up. He's, he, he's very clearly like the loner who is part of the team, but also very apart from the team. But also, I think it's that Greek chorus moment. I think this is the, the writer trying to be like, look, you and the audience should be rooting for Thor because even this guy is rooting for him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Uh maybe a, a little bit of uh what the audience should be feeling and and kind of saying like Thor is so um like the audience should be rooting for so much that even his stated enemies have to kind of respect. Uh well, you know, the the, the, the might of this uh you know, god that's been stripped of his powers but he's still this strong.
0: And and then so later he says, you know, last chance sir and Coulson says, "Wait, I want to see this." Is he also just kind of getting caught up in the moment? Is he just like he, he the scientist and Colson's <laughs> winning out? And he wants. I, to mean, know I think he just suspects.
2: Some, su- he suspects something is potentially really going to happen. But but play that out. Suppose Thor grabs this, gets the powers of a god, and flies off. Is Colson fired
3: at this point? Like, <laughs> like right. is that his job on the line from this moment of hesitation? Of like, yeah, let's, let's see how this plays out right no, now. No, it's great. Right. I watched it happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, are you suggesting that Agent Colson is a tad naive in the face of danger? Because that's certainly not a character trait that we established about him later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because as it's scripted, the way that it says in the script is as Thor approaches his hammer, Mjolnir starts to glow brighter, blue electricity sparking off its surface. The crackling energy seems to reach out to him. Coulson notices his interest peaked. So they scripted it in a way where there's a very visual thing happening for, for Coulson to like be reacting to and wanting to kind of see what happens. So, I mean, it's interesting the way they play it out because it turns into something where it's just – He's really curious, like, is this guy gonna be finally because you know every single SHIELD agent here has tried to pull that hammer up. They you know they all did, right? <laughs>
2: Even though they were told not them. to. Every single <laughs> right, one. They all,
1: all, so it's, I know, I just I'm taking a <laughs> break. And then they just kinda reach out and try to wiggle a little bit. Uh and so again, and that's I think the the curiosity thing where it's just like, uh, this guy is really determined to get in here. I wonder if they're like what is the reason for that? Like that determination that that Thor has to get to this point. I think – and I like – I prefer this, the fact that it's not like this glowing hammer suddenly because he's close to it. I like that it's just – there's something about his journey to get here that has been so determined – and for no reason, like who knows that this thing is here anyway? You know, it's out in the middle. I mean, well, I guess all the townies do, obviously. Uh, so, so, so he could be another drunk townie for all they know. But he's so determined that I think that's what makes it uh, makes him so drawn to figuring this out. If this is just
3: another drunk townie, I think Colson should be fired even more. <laughs> right? I
0: think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like there's so much happening in this moment, um, but I, th- I think we've actually kind of hit a lot of the major points. Uh, what else in
2: this moment kind of stood out for anybody or other things they wanted to comment on? There's one last thing for me, which is uh, at around second 54, if you watch it, the the Dutch angle starts to right itself a little bit as he's pulling the hammer, and it almost looks like he's pulling the angle back to level <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that sense just, yeah just for a second it it looks it's like is he is he starting to impact the uh the tilt a little bit
1: <laughs> i think it's um, going the opposite way i think i i don't know maybe it's just i, my th- eyes, th- I think maybe it it looks like it's like it settles back, back in, in. yeah yeah it's, yeah it's it's
2: it's just like not for whatever reason, that one, like, That's does cool shift moment. the angle a little bit, but it doesn't come come all the way back to level.
0: I kind of have a similar thought of, and this was somewhat true of the townies earlier, but we never saw it, like, this focused. Uh, to get that kind of, like, muscles popping, like, like, hey, yeah, he hit the gym a lot the week before the shot, mm-hmm. but, like, you can't fake that, mm-hmm. and... It it makes me really wonder, like, I mean, the the prop design for this moment is really well done, because I don't know if they just had, like, a piece of steel that they just cut and painted to make part of it look like the hammer, or, like, it's just bolted in very strong, but... You know, for him to be able to pull that much on it and it not move, um, like yeah. whatever they did is really incredible. Because I think again, if you if you even just saw like the tiniest bit of movement, just because mm-hmm. the prop was moving as this very strong man is pulling on it, the whole thing are you ruined?
3: Yeah, I, I think back to like imagine like uh, a scene in a Star Trek the original series, you know, where Shatner, this thing can't be moved, and he's like, he goes over, he's like straining, and you can just tell like he's he's not even trying to actually move the thing. This yeah, feels exactly. like Chris Hemsworth is
2: putting all of his considerable might into attempting yeah, like, to move this this yeah, has got to be more stable than than like 500 pounds because <laughs> i'm sure that if it were 500 pounds yeah. it would be shifting there'd be wiggle right right you yeah. know not lifting but like something would be moving and so this has got to be i don't know what they what they must have done to to make it yeah, you know, somehow anchored to the ground
3: underneath you know somehow yeah
2: yeah and and purely mm. purely stable because it's yeah it's not shifting yeah. or, or moving side to side at all either
0: it's not even the hammer, but like the whole rock structure that it's in. No, you know, yeah. nothing is moving
1: at all. Yeah, it's a, it's an impressive piece of prop design that I you almost I, I almost feel like we can probably guarantee this is probably sitting like in Feige's in, in kind of the foyer of of uh, Feige's offices. Uh, or yeah, something. I yeah. Say like
3: yeah, you you walk into Marvel Studios and over there is
1: <laughs> yeah. the hammer that they <laughs> exactly. couldn't actually
3: use ever again because it was melted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: right.
1: right. It's it's a, one big thing, one big yeah. piece. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: everyone who comes in a Office like every new director or writer is
1: like yeah let me just have a poll let me see what I yep, do absolutely the only thing that I wanted to say is I just now I really want colson to like sniff the air and go lavender like I just <laughs> I feel like yeah. that needs to be in this now it it seems like it should be part of the canon
2: it's a what if reference yeah. for oh,
1: who's not uh,
2: I could not place I, it I was like is that from what if is that from
1: <laughs> what if I can't remember apparently that's how Thor smells in this moment I only <laughs> but, watched it once. <laughs>
0: there uh wonder if you joe any of the kind of last things that you picked up on uh no i think we were able to hit
3: everything that i wanted to for this minute cool good minute
0: cool. well uh it's been great to have you for folks who maybe haven't heard every minute uh for both andrew and joe if people want to find more about you where can they check out um i host the,
3: the protagonist podcast and you can find uh information about that at duelinggenre.com that's the podcast network that hosts uh the protagonist podcast
2: And I am hosting Disney Animation Minute Essentials, which is also on Dueling Genre. So, um, uh, in addition to us, you can find a lot of other podcasts through Dueling Genre.
1: Scott Corelli was just on last week. There you go. Oh, perfect.
0: (laughs) And uh, Andy, I never get to ask this. What about you? Do you do any other podcasts besides this one?
1: Uh, well, there's the next reel, of course, which I, I mentioned at the start of every show. And, uh, you know, all the shows that spun off of it, like the film board and Saturday Matinee and all those shows over there. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, I do all sorts of other podcasts producing over at True Story FM. So you can find it all out over at truestory.fm. Yeah,
0: by now it'll be out for a couple months, but if you go back on the Film Board podcast to find uh, the episode about Dune, uh, you can listen to two people who truly understand the art of cinema, uh, barely hiding their disgust that I didn't like the movie Dune. Uh, It's a great (laughs) podcast. You definitely should check it out. So to to all of you, thank you all so much. Uh, Great to have you on. To our fans, you make this possible. Keep the feedback coming. Let us know what you think. And most importantly...